What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Bartender. Folks, you are in for a treat today. We've got master storyteller Mark Carpenter on the program, and this is one of my favorites of 2022. If you don't know Mark, get ready, because this is going to be fun. Mark is a best-selling author, speaker, facilitator, and nacho enthusiast. He's going to share some ideas about how to tell stories that teach, lead, and inspire. And who couldn't use a little of that right now? He's an amazing guy, and this conversation was a ton of fun. And as always, I think you're going to dig it. So buckle up, TC Beers, grab your favorite cocktail, and let's get right on into it with Mark Carpenter on today's TCB. Welcome to Sky Team's The Corporate Bartender, where we gather some of the best HR and people leaders to discuss what's happening on the people side of business. Now pull up a stool, belly up to the bar, and join us for The Corporate Bartender. Awesome. Well, hey, it's great to see everybody. It is Wednesday. It is your favorite day and mine. It is Corporate Bartender Day, and here we are. It is the 14th of September. As always, I shall marvel at the passage of time. Can't believe it. We're halfway through September, uh, which means we'll be doing our Christmas episode pretty soon. And uh, I got to say that when we get into the holiday flow zone, I'm I'm going to lobby to bring back a, uh, a quiplash day because I miss those days. Our early days, days of bartender. I know when we used to play games and stuff. That's before we recorded things. That's I know. I know. We, well, on Quiplash days, I, I will not record them. We'll just have fun. Chuck is over there in the chat quoting Earth, Wind, and Fire, I think. And uh, appreciate that, Chuck. So here we are, episode number 143. It's going to be a fun day. We've got Mark Carpenter here. Say hello, Mark. Woo-hoo. I have to come off mute before I can do that. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Mark is a master storyteller, and he's the author of Master Storytelling, How to Turn Your Experiences into Stories that Teach, Lead, and Inspire. So he's a facilitator, cult, consultant, and speaker. So we're going to talk to him about storytelling, as that's a thing that seems to come up here uh, on the reg. And it's a thing we that comes a lot of stories here. We do. I don't know if they <laughs> teach and learn and motivate they inspire though laurel i would i would say that they do they are inspirational in nature they inspire nausea (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and i do want to take a second to pimp the book because that's just what we're doing right now Uh, we have author copies of our book in hand i've done this before with a stunt book um but this is a real book with real words in it that came out of all three of us, uh, me, Ruby, and Morag. Uh, Ruby is not here today because she is on her way to Hawaii. So yay for Ruby. Uh, Morag is going to see, Morag's in New York City too, Lori. She is going to see the music man with Hugh Jackman tonight. So I've I've got the book lift. So um, we've got copies, the pre-release copies. If any bartender folks want a real live hard copy book in their hands, um, you might have to come meet me for a beer or something, but I'm happy to hook you up with one of these dudes. Um, I did an unboxing video on YouTube that's hilarious. If you have four and a half minutes, just go watch that to bump my numbers. I'd appreciate it. When's the book signing? The book uh, We've got two book signing events coming up. 
Um, the book launches officially on October 18th, which is a Wednesday. So on that Saturday, that's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 19, 20, 21, uh, we will be at the book bar in Denver, which is down off of Tennyson. <laughs> and it's a really cool place. If you've never been there, it's yeah. a bookstore and a bar. So it's right up our alley. And then we're going to do one a couple of weeks later at the tattered cover, the new location in Westminster, which opened in that where the Westminster mall used to be. There's a whole bunch of cool mixed use stuff up there. Um, and it's right near the Alamo cinema and draft house. So we'll be doing a book event there as well. So a couple of book events coming up. We've got some online stuff coming up. You can't, go on LinkedIn and scroll for more than a second or two without seeing something about the book. We are doing a huge social media push. If anybody feels like reposting or saying nice things, I, I will, I will buy you things, whatever you want. Just send me your list, <laughs> wish list items, create an Amazon wish list. I'll take care of you. So that's the book. Check it out. Check out my silly video. Um, we're going to talk to Mark about storytelling and you know that whenever we have a guest, I always try to pull a news item that's germane to their area of expertise. So I pulled this one and this is from HBR from 2020 um, called storytelling can make or break your leadership. And much like these HBR articles that we talk about a lot here, they're pretty basic. Um, but essentially the, the, the crux of this article is that telling a compelling story is how you build credibility for yourself and for your ideas. And they give you five characteristics of effective storytelling. And I was going to rattle them off and just see how they land on Mark Carpenter. You guys think that'd be fun? Yeah, let's do that. All right, Mark, you're on the clock. So according to Jeff Gothelf, he says, to tell a compelling story, you need to be audience specific contextualize your story. Why is it important to that audience? Humanize your story. You know, tell a personal anecdote or charming story inside of your story. Make it action-oriented and keep it humble. So we've got be audience-specific, contextualize, humanize, action-oriented, and keep it humble. How do those stack up with master storyteller Mark Carpenter's views on creating compelling stories? They stack up ex exceptionally well, <laughs> actually. So, um, you know, who, who am I to fight against HBR, right? But uh, <laughs> really, we, we use some different terminologies for, for some of those, but it's right in line with what we teach about storytelling and what we've experienced in, in, in our background in storytelling as well. I love it. I love it. So quick read it takes about literally three or four minutes. Um, I like the framework. It was, it was just a nice reminder because, you know, in what we do in facilitating workshops and doing things like this, we, we tell stories all the time. And sometimes I tell them off the cuff and I don't really think about it. I don't plan my story and I could definitely up my game if I gave it a little bit of forethought. So that's what we're here to do today. We're here with Mark Carpenter. He is going to He's going to help us out. He's going to help us hone our chops here. We're going to talk a little bit about what it is. What is the art and science of effective storytelling? <laughs> there was, a, there was a, a, a quote on his one sheet that I loved, and I want to ask about this. It's, the quote was, why storytelling is like a lollipop for your brain. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk to Mark about storytelling. So before we get into it, let's give Mark a big TCB welcome, everybody. Let's do it. All right, Mark, 
Welcome, and thanks for being here with us today. Um, before we get into your area of expertise, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your story? How did you find yourself here as the master storyteller? Was it what you wanted to be when you were a little kid, when you grew up? Oh, yeah. When I started out as a child, I went, I want to get into storytelling as an adult. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, no you, know, you, you never think of those things, right? That, that never comes up when you're when you're a kid. So as with many of us in our careers, we kind of fall into things. And uh, I kind of fell into this just a little bit. Um, I, I've had a career, my, my background for 20 years was in corporate marketing and public relations. And yeah, we used a lot of storytelling in that. And even sure. as a kid, I, I would tell stories mainly to get attention. <laughs> it was, that, was, that was kind of my jam in terms of if I can tell a really funny story, people will laugh at me and I'll feel good about myself. Excellent. You'll fit but, right in here. Yeah, awesome. Well, I can tell. I can tell with this group already that this is, I'm right down your alley. But I kind of leveraged that into, you know, a, a career in public relations and, and corporate marketing. And then I got into corporate facilitation, where, where I was, I was teaching, teaching within organizations and teaching communication skills. I, I had a 10 year stint as an adjunct professor at a university. And oh, nice. Where'd you teach? It was Brigham Young University. Oh, right on. Yeah. Right on. And so, so like, th- I, I, did an adjunct, I did an adjunct stint here at DU at BYU. Did they treat you the same way where they pay you like $5 a semester and you have to create all the stuff and do all the work? Pretty much. And, and then Excellent. they ignore you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, because, and, and, and I'm not saying that to be critical. No. <laughs> it's just one of those things that happens because when are you there? Right. You're there in the evening after your work. Yeah, hours. exactly. And, and, and you're there once a week to teach this two and a half hour class. Yep. And so people don't even know you exist, basically. <laughs> you just got, the only people who really know you exist are the 20 students in your class. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I was okay with that, to be yeah. quite honest with you. But I just remember, and, and you probably do too, remember when you were in college or even in high school, mm-hmm. who were the teachers you liked the most? Who were the teachers that you remember today? Yeah. The They're fun the ones, ones that taught you by telling stories, weren't <laughs> That's they? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it wasn't the history professor who stood up and spouted off dates and names and locations and expected you to regurgitate those for the test. It was the history professor who came uh, dressed as a Civil War soldier and and told the story of the people within it. All right, Eric, don't Dude. have an aneurysm or something there as you're reacting to this, <laughs> my, okay? My high school AP government teacher, John Franklin, I'll never forget him. He used to make paper hats, and he would put on the paper hat and tell the story of whatever historical figure he was representing. So, like, from the revolution forward, when you rolled up to class, if 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 Dr. Franklin had a paper hat on, we knew it was going to be a good day. Yeah. And you, and you made a comment there. I don't know if you how, how subtly you did this, but you just defined why storytelling is a lollipop for your brain. Mm. You said, I'll never forget. Ooh, yeah. It's so enticing. Stories are so enticing. They're so tasty and wonderful mm-hmm. that they actually set off a chemical reaction in your brain, kind of like having a lollipop. Hmm. And so that's that's how storytelling is like a lollipop for your brain. I love that. It's so enticing and just getting a taste of it, you want more. Yeah. So why is that, Mark? Why do people love stories so much? Yeah. Well, part of the reason we love stories is because we live stories. Mm. I mean, what, what what is your life other than a collection of stories? That's what you I know, tell we're, everybody. We're sitting here in our in our prelim conversation 
telling stories about, you know, going to New York and having a hotel where you look out on the dumpster and you're, we're telling all these funny little things. And, you know, <laughs> Laurel, you made the comment. Yeah, but are these really stories that teach, lead and inspire? They can be, mm. they could be. Hmm. If you look for what's the lesson that you learn within that, then yeah, it is. And in fact, I wasn't planning on, on talking about this, but just because it came up um, because of Lori's experience at her hotel in New York right now, <laughs> that hotel that I mentioned that I opened the curtains and there was a wall like two feet away. Well, my, my door would not shut either. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. And the carpet. Not, not ideal was, in a hotel. Yeah. The carpet was so thin. I, I, it, was, it was like, ooh, you know, it was, it was just icky all the way around continual dripping in the in the bathroom and i got there really late at night so it was something like i have to get to sleep right but i've got to find a different place to stay tomorrow <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay and so i kind of had to make the adjustments there and i tell that sometimes as a story to say you can make adjustments mm -hmm. don't, don't feel like you're stuck with things when when you run into a problem what do you do pivot Mm -hmm. make an adjustment. And that's an example of pivoting. So these everyday slices of life become compelling stories because everybody can relate to those. I can relate to Lori's looking out the window at the dumpster because of my experience of looking out the window at the brick wall. And we could probably go right down the list of everybody here and say, well, let me tell you a horror story about being at a hotel. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it, it's, it's just part of our lives that we do that. Now, Excuse me. There's there's another reason the storytelling is so compelling that's a little more scientific than that. And it's the impact stories have on our brains. Okay, say more about that. Okay. Dr. Paul Zak at Claremont Graduate College. Mm -hmm. He's done a bunch of research on this. He has a super cool title. He's a neuroeconomist. Ooh, I like that. Which is one of those things you have to really kind of think about. So he he talks about kind of the the neurology that comes with decisions that we make. Yep in our self-interest. And he has identified three chemical reactions that we have inside of our brains when we hear stress. Okay. Yep. The first one is called oxytocin. Okay. You may have heard of oxytocin before. It's, it's the hug drug. There you go. It's the hug <laughs> drug. It's the trust hormone. And we get that as we're listening to a story and we can relate to the other person. Mm. This happened to us as we were just talking about hotel stays. And, and as we were talking about the, 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 the things that have happened to us, we can go, oh, I can relate to that. And so I can relate to you. And we get this little increase of oxytocin in our brains. And so now I trust you more because we have that connection uh, between yeah. us. Okay. Yep. The second thing that we get in a well-told story is an increase in cortisol. Cortisol comes Isn't that in, the stress hormone? There you go. And this, and, and what does the stress hormone do to us? You know? Focus. So, say that again, Lori. It didn't quite come through. Makes you focus, like heightened attention. Exactly. It heightens our attention and our focus. Now, isn't that what you want to do when you're telling a story to teach, yeah. lead, and inspire? Is you really want people's attention? And that increases when people feel a sense of risk going on in the story. Mm. When something's at risk. Okay. So I'm telling you the story about my terrible hotel and I go, and the door wouldn't lock. And all yeah. of a sudden you're all going, Ooh, Ooh, this could, could you be barricade bad. yourself against the door to sleep. 
Yeah, well, the, the, the deadbolt worked. That was the only thing that worked. <laughs> but then I'm thinking, if I leave this hotel, people are going to break in and, and steal, steal all your stuff. stuff. <laughs> okay, so there's, there's that sense of risk that yeah. comes in. And all of a sudden, with that increase of cortisol, you want to know what happens next. Yeah. You want to see what's going on from there. Huh. And that's what cortisol does for us. Now, the real cool thing, and this ties back to the lollipop, is when you give somebody a satisfying end to your story, when you give them a result that they can learn from, when you give them something that they can go, ah, yes, yes, that's a good outcome. They get an increase in the neurotransmitter dopamine. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what is dopamine? Since, you, since it just seems like you, you know your brain chemistry. <laughs> What'd you say, Lori? That's the, the feel good, the, the happy, the satisfied. Yeah. It's yep. the thing that your brain yep. seeks for mm -hmm. happy. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's that thing you get. <laughs> okay, here's my best example of it. It's the thing I get when I can check something off my to-do oh, list. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah. and the, there's that <laughs> sense of satisfaction. You get that same sense of satisfaction at the end of a well-told story. Mm -hmm. And so that brain chemistry connects people. So when you want to connect people, when you want people to trust you more, it's interesting. We think, well, let me give them all the statistics and data that show how wonderful I am. <laughs> and that's going to help people trust me. It's really not. Yeah. It's the story that you can tell that you can, that they can relate to. This goes back to that HBR article that you were talking about. Well, connecting to your audience. And that goes to when you, that saying of people may not always remember the details of what you said, but they remember how you made them feel, right? Yeah. And, and hopefully in an educational setting, there's one or two little facts or <laughs> learning points that also stick, but it's because of the emotion, right? Yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing about story. It, it, and, and this goes again to the, to the HBR article. I can't remember the exact use the words they used. The word I use is have a point. <laughs> Make your point. There's some, there's something you're trying to teach with that story. And so if you use that story to actually teach something, that's what's going to stick. Eric, you remember things from your high school history class yeah. because of the way that your teacher told stories about them. That's right. There, there was a there was actually a fascinating study. Uh, it was done by Dr. Ray Price and Dr. Joanne Martin, where they took M MBA candidates. Okay, so these are smart students. You know, they're, they're getting their MBAs. They got to be reasonably smart students. And they shared with them some information. They put them into three groups, randomized mm -hmm. them into three groups. One group, they just gave them the information verbally. Okay, okay they just told them, this is the information you need to know. This is, this is important. The second group, they shared the information, but they also had colorful charts and graphs. Okay, pretty. Okay, which Visual is learners. Yeah. That's the other thing that we do as, as leaders, right? Let me show yes. you this in a graph. <laughs> this is going to impact you. The third group of students, they just told them a story that taught the principles that they needed to remember that, that was given in, in information to other students. So we got uh, just pure data. We've got data augmented with graphics and stories. Yep. So those okay. are the three categories. Now, I want you to guess what came out of this. Hmm. Well, if I didn't feel like I was being led down a path, Mark, um, I'm going to go ahead and say the story group had the highest retention rate of the stuff. Yeah. And in fact, there was there were some interesting things. And th this is the thing that there's a couple of things that fascinated me about this study. Number one, 
What do you think about the difference between the first two groups? Information just given verbally and information in charts and graphs. So I would say that uh, you had a higher stick rate with the charts and graphs because you're, you're speaking to two different learning styles there. Yeah, and I, that's what I would have thought too. Actually, there was no statistical difference in how really? well they remembered the information between those two groups. Interesting. Yeah. That, see, that, that was kind of fascinating. It was like, wait, because I'm kind of a visual learner too. Yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah. to me, I was thinking the charts and graphs are going to help. Right. But they really didn't make a significant statistical difference. Interesting. And the, and the amount of information they, they remembered or the accuracy of their information. So, so as a DISC-C facilitator... Um, I should not waste so much time on my graphs is what you're saying. Well, you know, and, and I'm not saying don't use those graphs, but tell the story yeah. of what those graphs mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm not discounting giving information. I'm not discounting data. Sure. But I'm saying tell the story that's connected to the data because that's what's going to make it sticky for people. I love that. And the other fascinating thing about that study is not only did they find that the group that got the information in a story remembered more information and remembered it more accurately, but the surprising find, finding to the researchers and to me was they also found it more credible, so more believable. What's, what's the hook there? Why, why, did that, why was that a result in that study? Now, they, they didn't have specifics about why it came out that way. But I would connect that back into Dr. Zach's information about mm. our brain chemistry. Yes. But when that brain chemistry kicks in, we get that oxytocin. That and now I trust you more. So yep. I trust the information you're sharing with me more. Well, that's why that's why people, <laughs> you know, I trust the thing my you know, brother told me four years ago over the science because I trust my brother. I don't know these scientists. Right. Yeah. My brother could be full of it, but somehow I'm going to put more credibility into that person because I know them. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys know who Ken Jennings is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Jeopardy guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was the highest winning, winning guy ever, ever on Jeopardy. <laughs> he wrote this book and it's called Lies Our Parents Tell Us. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard him talking about this and there's a great story that he has in the book that he shared about when they were little and they would go camping. And his brother always took his little transistor radio with him who was cranking his music on. And his mother told him, and, and, and they were getting bothered by mosquitoes. And he said, the music attracts the mosquitoes. Turn that music down. <laughs> and she was telling him that why? Because she wanted the music down. Boom. But he, <laughs> and so he turned the music down to keep the mosquitoes away. And then she brought the you know, mosquito spray out and, and, and kept them away that way. They were but he believed that for the rest of his life. <laughs> they were adults and they were camping together and he goes, well, we got to turn the music down or the mosquitoes. And he goes, wait, 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 you actually you talking about believe that? He goes, well, yeah, but it goes right back to what you were saying, Lori. Well, my mom told me. I, I saw it's, this it's, meme. It's I saw this, true. I saw this meme the other day that said it was a picture of like the backseat of a station wagon with the little reading light on. And it said, why did my mom tell me that it was illegal to have the lights on in the car? Because, because mom didn't, didn't want, want the lights on. on in the car. <laughs> yeah, right oh on. Oh my gosh. Right on. And so, you know, it's it's kind of funny. We we intuitively get the feel. I mean, in, I'm, I'm seeing it in the group and in your reactions here. That you're going, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, storytelling yeah. makes sense. And yet we get into a business setting. And what do we do to explain things? We list details and data. 
Yeah. We enumerate. And, and then, and, and I would you also just say. made shit up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, Laurel, you're kind of leading me where I was going to go next, too. We, we actually get into, like, cliche festivals. Mm-hmm. Right? And we talk about synergy, and we talk about, you know, KPIs, and we, we talk about all these things. I, I was doing a luncheon uh, last month with a group of human resources professional, professionals. And I asked them to, to turn to somebody next to them and, dis- and share a, an, what the culture of their company is. Okay. As if the, the, the person was a person that they wanted to hire into the company. They really sure. wanted to attract this person. And I said, share with that person Describe to that person the culture of, the, of your company so they'll want to come work for you. And then I okay. said, okay, what did you hear from people? And they were like, well, mission statements and you know, visions and, and values and uh, the founders, I think this is important. Or here's our product. We have really cool products. Or we have this great workspace that we look for. And I'm like, why didn't anybody tell a story that mm-hmm. illustrates this is what the culture of our company is like? Mm-hmm. And they were like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, because that's that's the thing that's really going to resonate with people. But you know, Mark, I think a lot of people think, well, I'm just a boring person. I don't have anything insightful to say. I mean, nobody wants to listen to my stories. I'm just, I'm just the HR person at xyz.com, right? So, who wants to hear my stories? Well, see, that's that's another thing. The the extraordinary comes out of the ordinary. I'll go. The word back is to in the there. Con- the, the conversation that we were just having about the hotel rooms with the walls out, out the window. That is such an everyday, ordinary thing. But mm-hmm. what's the lesson there? There's a lesson behind that. I, I'm getting ready to, to post a story on, on, on LinkedIn about nachos that I made Saturday night. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited already. Because yeah, you're, you're I love in with the nachos, nachos. right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I'll, and I'll just kind of give you the brief of it here. I had some, it was one of those, those days where it's like, we don't want to make dinner. Do we have your leftovers that we can just make yourself something? I said, I'm fine. I'm fine. I have some leftover. We had some barbecue on, on Friday night that we, that we took out. Uh, and so I said, I'll just make something with the barbecue. Cool. I'll make nachos. Got some chips. I'll make some nachos with this, with this barbecued pulled pork. This is going to be awesome. And so I, uh, I put the chips out on the plate and then I went, Oh, I actually need to shred this a little bit more to put on. So I had to put the chips back in the bag and then I shred my, my, my pulled pork. And then I put the, the chips down and then I put the pork on and I went, Oh shoot. I wanted to mix the barbecue sauce with that before I did. So I take the pork off and I put it back in a bowl so I can mix the barbecue sauce. And I got to the end of this and I was like, why didn't I think through the steps that I wanted to take first? <laughs> I, I, could, I could have starved myself backing up so many times <laughs> on trying to get these nachos made. And if I'd taken a second to think through what are all the steps that I need to do in the right order, I would have saved myself some time and grief in the process. Mm-hmm. Do we do that in real life? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We get jumping into something and then we go, Oh wait, I should have done this first. Oh mm-hmm. wait, I should have done this first. Well, there's a lesson learned from making nachos. I love it. How, how extraordinary is that experience? It's really not. It's an ordinary thing. And so look for those ordinary moments that you have a little aha behind or that you have some emotional reaction to. Like I was getting irritated with myself. Like, what, are you, what are you doing? And when you have an emotional reaction like that, start taking a pause and going, okay, what's the lesson we learned from this? Yeah. And now you've taken an ordinary experience from your life and you've turned it into something extraordinary. 
Well, so, Chuck, I'm, Chuck, Chuck puts into chat, I'm so hungry right now. And you know what that means, Chuck? <laughs> I've learned that means all those chemical reactions happened in your brain because you're relating yeah. to that. He's having some dopamine right now. He's thinking about nachos. <laughs> so in the pre-show, Mark, you know, you and I were talking and I told you that when I looked through your materials, when I first got them, I thought, man, this guy's like the Seinfeld of storytelling because it's that everyday experience. It's the making nachos experience that gets turned into a story that means something. So if I think I'm a regular, ordinary person and, and I'm not a natural storyteller, how do I learn that skill? How do I check into that feeling? Because you said, just make a note because there's a lesson there. And for you, it's as natural as breathing out after breathing in. But for somebody that doesn't do stories, how do they learn that skill? Well, so yeah, it's fairly natural for me now. Right, right. It, not necessarily all the time in my life. And, and I'll, I'll go back to your, your comparison to Jerry Seinfeld, and I will take a comparison to Jerry Seinfeld. Thank <laughs> you very much. And partially, and this is what Eric and I were talking about before, because he's very intentional about his comedy. Yeah. He, he doesn't just stand up on stage and start spouting off things that happened to him. Right. He has thought that through. He's practiced it. He's worked it. He's, he's put it into a format that he knows works based on his experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's like any skill, it's learned, it's developed. And so how do you develop that? You learn from somebody who knows how to do it, you get some feedback, you practice it. Mm. And then you learn from where you, the mistakes you make in the practice and you revise it and do it again and you revise it and do it again. And that's, exact, that's exactly what Seinfeld does with his comedy. That's what I do with my stories. I'm probably going to revise that story about the nachos a little bit before I post it because I haven't completely written it out yet. Right. But it's, it's, a, it's like any skill. It's not like a, you're a born storyteller or you can't tell stories. You so would you, say, would you say everybody can tell stories? I, I, I think everybody can. Again, it's, it, it's a skill that you learn. And it's going to be different. I, mm -hmm. you, you might have picked up. I have kind of a high level of energy that I, that I can exude. You don't have what? to have this level of energy to tell stories. You want to have a little energy, of course, but you want to do it in the very natural way you can. That HBR article about you know being humble, it's about being yourself mm -hmm. in those stories. And the other part of that, that being humble from, from that article is, and I told you the story about the nachos. It wasn't me making the perfect nachos. Right. It was me messing it up and messing it up and messing it up. That's what we learn from because we've all had those little slices of life where we trip and then we trip again and then we trip again. So you can relate to that and we can learn from it. I can't stop thinking about barbecue pulled pork nachos <laughs> right now. <laughs> Look what I've done to you. <laughs> I think that, I think just, I just made me think about um, like practice and the, the feedback part and being willing to get reactions because I think that know your audience and have context piece can be a thing that gets kind of lost where mm -hmm. somebody maybe is high energy and they do love to tell their stories, but they're maybe not thinking about who's the audience, what's in it for them. And, and then that becomes sometimes the, the rambling stories, mm -hmm. right. And that, you know, my, my dad is quite a storyteller and my mom had gotten accustomed to saying, <laughs> Brian, nutshell it, right. Like wrap it up. Bud, we're <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, and, and when we talk about storytelling, we're, we're talking about intentional storytelling with a purpose right. in, exactly. in a business setting. Yeah. And so that's different than I'm just going to, I'm just going to share an experience that I had during the day. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's so funny, Mark, you just put in, in chat lands a plane. That's a <laughs> phrase I use all the time when I'm coaching people on storytelling. And when they're, when they're not intentional about the destination of the story, but mm. this is the point that I'm trying to make, they put all these details into the story and it's like, not relevant, not relevant, not relevant. They may be relevant if you're trying to make a different point. Right. So know where you're going with that story, know what you're trying to teach. And that will help you edit your stories and leave out the stuff that's the wandering around of the plane when you want the plane to fly directly to the destination. You ever, Mark, do you ever coach um, people who maybe like entrepreneurs looking for investments, right? Where they're pitching uh, an idea and they're looking for, for that um, because that's kind of a lot of what my, my business does. And we have a lot of just brilliant engineers, not always awesome at the pitch part. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk about charts and graphs that will make your head spin, right? And so that's always part, that's a fundamental part of, if you've got five minutes, you got to connect with people emotionally and you yes. need to make them care because yeah, otherwise yeah. you lose them in 30 seconds. And yep. so, yeah, it's, it's interesting whether it's, educating somebody to retain information or it's influencing somebody to do something for you. Yeah. Because you can't move anybody to action unless they will hear you. Right. Mm -hmm. a, a, a classic right. example of this. I, I, one of the software companies that I work for small company had an entrepreneurial CEO. We were transitioning uh, the, the board kind of moved that CEO out and brought in a very, very business minded CEO. And I was helping him prepare his presentation for the qu first quarterly company meeting that he was doing with 150 employees, the majority of them software engineers. Okay. Okay. So talk, let's talk about know your audience. Right. Mm -hmm. And trying to influence your audience. I sat down with him. He said, this is what I want to do. I want to go through all the details of EBITDA. Oh, boy. Okay. You, you know what EBITDA is? Earnings yeah. before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That's I mean, right. Just saying all those words in the acronym puts people to sleep. <laughs> right. Okay. And I was like, okay, remember who you're talking to. Remember who these folks are. And he says, no, they need to understand. This is the most important thing in our company is the finance. I said, okay, that's fine. But then make it relevant for them. They, they got to figure it out. They're not going to figure it out. I said, <laughs> they're not going to figure it out on their own. You have to interpret this for him. He would not move off of that. Really? And so we get, he put this presentation out there of all these different charts about EBITDA, you know, over the past year and a half. What, and I'm, I'm in the back of the room as this is going on. What is happening with the people in the audience as he's giving that speech? <laughs> yeah if it's not if it's not the phone out it's i actually saw a lot of that phone out mark the, it's the, room the zone out yeah it, it's phone out or zone out that i love that i'm i'm stealing that i'm going to use that over and over again <laughs> but yeah and, and i'm sitting there going oh. and at the end i said to him how did you feel like that went he said perfect that's exactly what i wanted to deliver <laughs> 
<sighs> now, this guy's not stupid. Right. I mean, like, like you were talking about, Lori, you got brilliant engineers you were working with. This guy had a brilliant financial mind, but he wasn't making, connecting the dots right. for his audience between the brilliance that he had and why they should care about it. Right. And that's what you're talking about with these entrepreneurs right. is they get excited about it because they know the details. It's like asking a watchmaker what time it is. <laughs> and they want to get into the details of how my watch shows you what time it is. Yeah. that's not what's important. Those investors want to know what time is it? <laughs> and, and why do I care what time it is? And so a story can help to do that. So, you know, Mark, you, you talk about, you talk about stories as being storytelling, being an essential leadership skill. And you know, that HBR article, HBR article said the title was storytelling can make or break your leadership. Why is it an essential leadership skill today? Well, I think it's what we were just talking about. It's connecting to your audience. You know, you go back, I don't know what the right number of years is, 30, 40 years, maybe even less than that for some. And leadership was very much a command and control type of situation. Mm -hmm. I lead, you follow, you're in a, in, in a subordinate position to me, you just do what I tell you to. And so all I have to do is stand up and tell you what to do. Jack that is Welch. not the case anymore. Yeah, that is, that is, that is, that people who think that is leadership today, are, are going to fail as leaders because so, people will not follow them. There's this interesting um, article that, that came to me recently where, and it was about the Denver Broncos and by extension oh, yeah. NFL, where they are starting to hire instructional design experts for the coaches yeah. because the people that they're working with, right? Maybe if we want to put them in a bucket of millennials, are going to ask why 700 times. So just telling them to do stuff is not right. You're not going to win them over. Right. Yeah. So, so they actually have hired people to assist the coaching staff on how to deliver their coaching in a way that connects with the audience and gets them into it. I thought that was yeah. such a, such a fascinating concept of bringing instructional design into coaching, you know, professional athletes. And I, yeah. I, I love, I love too how, <laughs> When they first announced that that was a thing, the response was, oh, you, you make fancy PowerPoints. Is that what you do? You're hiring somebody to make fancy PowerPoints. Is that what this is? Yeah. yeah. Ouch. <laughs> that, just, that just hurts people that are in instructional design who really understand what it is. So, so Eric, I want to know why you asked me that question when Lori already knew the answer. <laughs> well, you know, I can't ask Lori everything. It's how my life works mostly. So <laughs> my, my point is, Lori's spot on with that, that if you want people to follow you, you have to give them a compelling reason to do that. Mm -hmm. And, and storytelling is the best way to do that, to connect to people's minds and hearts so that they not only understand what you're talking about, but they care about it. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. It makes me think since we've been having this conversation, I've been thinking about leaders that, that use stories as, as their tool, as their craft. And despite their reputations, right, the person that pops into my mind is Steve Jobs because he was not the nicest guy, right? Not the most, uh, you know, lovey, touchy, huggy kind of leader. But man, could that dude tell a story about what we were trying to do and where we were trying to go and how we were going to get there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I used to watch every one of Steve Jobs' Apple events just to listen to what he was going to say. 
right? The, getting to know that the product was attached to it was nice, but the delivery vehicle, his mm-hmm. story was so compelling. Yeah. Do you remember, since you've watched all those, do you remember when they launched the first, um, um, oh, I know I can't remember the name of it, the, the, the first MP3 device. Mm. What, what, what do they call it? The iPod. iPods. I kept going iPad and that I knew that was wrong. <laughs> but, but when they introduced the iPod, do you remember how he described it? I, I'm trying to think about it right now because you're putting me on the spot. Um, uh, yeah, and, and, and I'm sorry, I wasn't meaning to put you on the spot, Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he, had, he had one simple phrase for it that captured everybody's minds and hearts. He said, it's like having a thousand songs in your pocket. In your pocket. Yes. Right. And, and just that statement, it's yeah. like they create such imagery in you. And it's like, yeah, I want that. Yeah. That is the kind of thing that prompts thousands of people to stand in line overnight mm-hmm. to be the first one to put a thousand songs in my pocket. Right. Not only is it, well, that's kind of interesting, the action that that creates. And it, it reminds me of um, Simon Sinek years ago did the, the start with why yeah. talk. And that was the that was the example was how Apple does it compared to other computer companies. Ooh, look at that. You got some shuffles. Old tech. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> but that was right. People people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, tying into to Simon Sinek's uh, concept there, storytelling is a great way to get to the why yeah. in a compelling way. Cause I think mm-hmm. sometimes we think, okay, we need the why we need our mission and vision statement. And so let's create this really cool document with a lot of buzzwords and let's put <laughs> it up on the wall. And now everybody's going to do those things, but people sometimes don't make the transition between the words on the wall and the behaviors in the hall. Oh, nice. And, and the story is going to show this is how that translates to our day to day behaviors. And that's your culture. Culture right. is not the words on the wall, exactly. culture is behaviors in the hall. It's what people are doing. Yeah. It's, so it's, that's the I, best way to communicate it. I always nutshell culture as the way we do things around here. Yeah. Right. Yep. And if it's incongruent with the poster on the wall, people feel it, they see it, they know it. Right. Yeah. So that that's the authenticity of your culture. Does it match the poster on the wall? Mm-hmm. And what are they going to believe more? The words on the wall or the behaviors in the hall? Oh, yeah. behaviors in the hall, hands Absolutely. down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's what we live. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Oh, my gosh. This is so great. So, Mark, look, you, you've got a great message Obviously, you've got a body of work, you've got a book, you've got workshops. How do we get in touch with you if we want to go deep on master storytelling? A couple of different ways you can find me. Our, our website is master-storytelling.com. In fact, I'll, I'll put it into chat just because um, you have to have that hyphen between, <laughs> the little oh, dash between. If, Mark, if you don't Mark have Russell's already between, on your website looking at it, I'm sure. You, I can you, tell you right get, now. You get some weirdo that, that doesn't know what he's talking about. No, I, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I don't even know who that person is, so, so I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate anybody. But that, that's our website. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, look for Mark Carpenter in this face or look up Master Storytelling on LinkedIn. You can find us that way. We also have a, a, a Facebook page that, that you can find us that way. The other thing I want to offer to your to your crew here and and to your audience who's listening and later is 
Um, I'd love to just offer you as my new friends a, a, a free copy of our ebook. Oh, of, of nice storytelling. And so if you go to, I'll put this into the chat too. Master and I'll put this on the network too. Dot com slash podcast gift. Okay. Love you it. go to, go to that site for the low price of your email address. Um, <laughs> I will, uh, I will get you an ebook and I have to have your email address because I have to know where to send the ebook. <laughs> right. Sometimes that email address is a high price, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. That's fantastic. I, I, I love it. I, I love the message. I love the ideas. Um, I can't, I, I have so many things I want to do with this construct, but I want to open it up to questions. Who has questions for Mark about anything that we've talked about today, about storytelling as an idea, about storytelling as a leadership skill, about being the Jerry Seinfeld of storytelling. It doesn't matter. Any questions for Mark before we jump into the end of show ritual? I would just like to concur because, uh, you know, who, who's a master storyteller? If you go back into history, well, Jesus was a master storyteller using parables from everyday events and then giving it a spin and a moral story for the followers. Well, and, and, and that's a great example. I think another one that you can look to is like Plato. Yep. Oh, yeah. He, he was a great storyteller. That's why he had this great following, Plato and Socrates and some of, some of the, the original thinkers. It wasn't just that they had ideas. They got them into compelling stories. And Mark Russell, I saw that you had uh, your, your hand raised too. Yeah, I, I think it was just one of those conflicts where when you are presenting to the CFO or the COO, where do you balance the, hey, here's the slide with all your data, but let me tell you the story behind it, or let me tell you the story behind it, and here's the data to, you know, um, confirm what I'm saying. So, I mean, what have you found as your tips and tricks on this? Yeah, and, and, and there's a way that you can actually kind of blend those together. Mm. You know, you can say, I want to talk about our sales results for the last quarter. I'm just just picking a topic, right? So I'm going to share some numbers with you around this, but here's the key point that I want to make about this, that our sales team is making efforts that are making a difference. Remember, we instituted this new sales process or whatever it happens to be. This is in, and John and our sales team followed that, and he went from an average performer to 20% higher in his sales. And this is how that reflects overall in our sales revenue. And so you can tell the story and blend the data into it. And then that becomes compelling. Uh, Lori, your comment in chat is right on too. But customer testimonials are great parts of that story too. And, and so it's, uh, I, I was presenting this to a sales team a long time, ago, kind of early on in, in when we uh, published Master Storytelling. And I had one of the sales reps, you know, had the yeah, but question. And his yeah, but <laughs> question was, I, I, yeah, but I can't not talk about features and benefits and 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 prices and and numbers. And it's like I'm I'm not telling you to stop talking about that. Right. I'm telling you to add this in your arsenal with that to help people understand what those mean to them. Mm -hmm. Do you see any demographic changes or shifts where some demographics are doing it better than others? Millennials. There you go. That's what I was Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. And, and I don't have any statistics around that. I, I don't have anything that says, yeah, this, 
this group does it better or this group cares about it more. Um, for, for me, it's really just, it, it's, it's the humanness. And once people understand the connection that storytelling makes, and again, if they're willing to build the skill, they can do it. I have seen people who are Gen Z. I mean, we're talking about the, the, the newest generation coming into the workplace, tell really good, compelling stories. Mm. I've seen far-end baby boomers, really good, compelling stories, and everybody in between. So I don't think it's a generational thing as much as it is just an awareness and a desire and a willingness to learn this skill and to find great ways to use it. I, I would guess, Chuck, that this kind of thing um, really supports, and I've seen you in action, so I know how good you are at this, but you know, as a lawyer teaching sometimes some pretty heavy-duty compliance-type workplace respect stuff, the storytelling is so important for engaging in, in memory, right? Yeah. And the cases are the stories. And so, and I like, I really like Mark's point is I think storytelling is meta generational. I think all they are is personalizing the data based on a human experience. And so, yeah, so for, I, I just have a, the advantage of having stories to talk about, whereas other people have to take them out of their lived experience. Um, but I think it's the same. And that's why I love this topic. And I, I really want to know, Mark, though, like, what are the baby steps? How can you get to be a better storyteller? tomorrow i mean what could you do should you know uh, just reflect on your life or pluck those seinfeld stories i mean how do you find that yeah and and, and that, that's the first step i think is just looking for them mm -hmm. it, be, it, it's awareness it's being aware that they're all around us and it doesn't always have to be your own experience mm -hmm. you know you you can you can get gain uh, great stories from other people's experiences from news stories from history. Eric can go back to his high school history teacher and said, man, there's this <laughs> great history lesson from this person that teaches this really important point. Great. You can use that story to teach a point. The, the other way to kind of flip that around is to, to look at, okay, what point do I need to make? Mm -hmm. If I need to get across this point to my leadership or to my uh, investors or to the people that I'm working with in sales, Okay, I know I need to make that point. Now I want to start looking for where's the story that's going to help make that point. And it's really funny, mm -hmm. the universe will send it to you. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for it, if you're intentional about that, yeah. the universe will send you stories you can tell. I love that. I love it. I love it. This has been fantastic. I can't, I, I don't even know what to say. I have, I have so many things I want to say. I have so many things. <laughs> I could stay here another two hours, but let's give Mark a big up because that was fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much. You guys know how to get a hold of him, master-storytelling.com. And if you want your gift, it's master-storytelling.com slash podcast gift. You can get a ebook copy of this, of this fantastic book. Um, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. I, th I think this is the beginning of a of a wonderful journey. I, I, I foresee more interactions here on the bartender. Love it, Mark. Thank All you right. so much. And yeah, this is this has been so much fun. I, I said to Eric as we were starting, I said, this is probably going to be one of the more fun podcasts I've ever been on, and I was right. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> 
<laughs> See, if nothing else, I mean, the bar is low. We just want to be fun. So there's that. <laughs> All right, let's get into our funny things, our good feel stories, and our semi-quarantine cocktail, and let's go have some dinner. Funny thing number one for me today, because I fly on a lot of airplanes, and I this didn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> dude in a banana costume on a 5 a.m. flight from Denver to St. Louis. <laughs> I'm working that flight tomorrow. <laughs> okay, there's a story there. I don't know yeah. what it is, but there's a story there. I think I think we can probably tell a story with each one of these. So, um, not here's sure a- what TSA would be saying to that guy. <laughs> he got he he got the deep search. I think. <laughs> he got peeled. <laughs> he got peeled. Oh, hey, there it is. So here's a movie called None of That. Um, and apparently Sister Kelly is undercover. The tagline, though, a blast for you and a blasphemy. <laughs> so bad. Well, and it's, it's terrible. Keeping with the play on words, though, how about this? How about this tie joint in Belfast? It's called Titanic, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good association. And because uh, so I was, is, is is their tagline on that that sinking feeling every time you eat here? <laughs> <laughs> We've and met I, our I just, competition. I know, right? I couldn't stay away from the wordplay. How about this one? You don't have to put on the red light. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and because we all who show up here every week tend to be of a certain age, in case you. Still refuse to feel old. Bruce Springsteen now looks like Woody Allen. Oh my gosh, that's a Bruce. But that was Woody Allen. <laughs> and my favorite funny thing today, I just discovered that baby owls sleep on their stomachs because their heads are too heavy and I can't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, today's good feel story is a follow-up from one we did back in March. You know, you know, it's Steve Hartman. He's doing his thing. And this is the pep talk kids from Healdsburg, California. Have you ever felt like you needed a pep talk at the end of another long work week? CBS's Steve Hartman goes on the road to discover, well, wisdom, it comes at any age. Here at Westside Union Grade School in Healdsburg, California, we found all the inspiration you'll ever need. Okay, one. Just hit record. Two, three. If you're feeling deflated, do what you like best. It reinflates you. As we first reported in March. Fabulous. Little unscripted motivational gems like that were collected and cataloged for this free telephone hotline. Hi, welcome to Pep Talk, a public art project by Westside School. If you're feeling mad, frustrated, or nervous, press one. Go get your wallet and spend it on ice cream and shoes. Whatever your worry, <laughs> they've got a solution. If you need words of encouragement, press 2. Be grateful for yourself. Whatever your insecurity, they'll restore confidence. If you need a pep talk from kindergartners, press 3. You can do it! The hotline is the brainchild of teachers Ashera Weiss and Jessica Martin. They thought family and friends might enjoy calling the number, but... There's no way you could have imagined what happened. No, it was very shocking. After we first told this story, Pep Talk started getting up to 60,000 calls per hour 
Roughly five million total to date and counting. The kids also set up an advice booth and are now writing a book. It turned into a big thing. Spread it all around the world. Miss Jessica is really good at making a hotline. I don't think it's her. I think it's you guys. Okay. People in our school did a great job. They sure did. You guys gave a gift to the world. Adults support children, but we don't really celebrate how much they support us. Mm -hmm. And to be able to be comforted by them gives us great hope that maybe we're all going to be okay. And if you ever doubt that, to you know who to call. Be happy. <laughs> Steve Hartman Thank you. on the road. I'm so proud of you. Every time. Awesome. He, he gets you every time. Today, today's semi-quarantine cocktail is the world's largest Negroni. It's a riff on the, the Negroni, uh, which is gin, Campari, and vermouth. So um, it's Negroni week. I don't know if you know this. Uh, you're going to need a little bit of Campari. The Kimpton Hotel, My Lai, Bangkok, made a 167-gallon Negroni, which took the world record by a lot. Uh, a little bit of sweet vermouth. They are serving it in a one-tenth replica ice glass like the one pictured here until it's gone. This happened just on the 12th of September, which was two days ago. A uh, little orange peel for garnish. I don't know how I feel about digging into the giant bucket of Negroni for my <laughs> cocktail, given where we are here in COVID land. Um, thanks, everybody. <laughs> For being here. That's all. You just need straws. That's right. <laughs> straws for everyone. Gratitude for each and every one of you. Thank you, Mark Carpenter, for being here today. You're amazing. I love it. This was a fantastic discussion. I look forward to more. Thank you for being here with us today. Go home, have some dinner, get in there, tell some stories, and we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks. Have some pulled pork nachos. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. If you had a good time and learned a thing or two at today's happy hour, please share it with your friends. If you want to join our tribe, head on over to skyteam.cloud forward slash TCB or email us at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again. And remember, you've always got friends at the Corporate Bartender.